Hi, I'm Dr. Will Bostock from Cambridge Progressive Medicine. This podcast aims to assist you in taking control of your own health, well-being and happiness using a combination of Western medicine, psychotherapy, thought work and lifestyle. The podcasts are designed to be used in conjunction with working face-to-face with me, but I've made them freely available and you're welcome to listen to them independently. And if you do, I hope you find them helpful. If you would like to work directly with me, you can visit my website at www.cambridgeprogressivemedicine.com. Okay, so, so far in this series, I've told you lots of reasons why Western medicine has failed to make you feel better, and also why you might not be convinced that there might be a better alternative out there. I suppose it's about time that I did something to convince you. I guess it's about time that we got cracking. Seeing is believing. If we are going to buy into a concept, we need to start seeing some positive results. I've also said that the road to good health and happiness is a long and difficult journey. There is no quick fix. But this doesn't mean we can't start to see some immediate benefits. We don't have to feel amazing to feel better. And if we start to feel a little bit better, to see some gradual improvement, it can give us the encouragement and the motivation that we need to continue with the work that we need to do. There are four key areas that I believe we need to focus on if we want to be healthy. These are... Number one, mindfulness and meditation. Number two, psychotherapy and thought work. Number three, lifestyle. And finally, Western medicine. I've put these four areas in a particular order for a reason. We need to start with number one and work towards number four. In general, we tend to do things in reverse order. We start with Western medicine, then think about lifestyle and leave the social and emotional factors until right at the end, almost as an afterthought, if we consider them at all. I think this is the reason I've often felt in the past that I was doing my patients a disservice, and failing to truly help them. If we want to learn how to be healthy, we need to build a solid foundation to work from. We need to work from the ground up. In this episode, I'm going to try to explain why positive change must always start with our thoughts and to suggest some practical tools to start the work right away and to start to feel a bit better. Everybody knows the lifestyle advice that doctors and other health professionals give about healthy diets, regular exercise, avoiding alcohol and smoking, not being overweight. My patients always tell me, you know, I know I shouldn't smoke, or I know that I'd need to lose some weight. But there is a difference between knowing and believing. If we are not living a healthy life, there must be a reason for this. Either we don't believe that our lifestyle is truly responsible for how we feel, that even if we changed it, we still wouldn't feel well, so why bother? Or we do not believe that we're capable of making the change. We may believe ourselves to be fundamentally unhealthy people, that it's part of our personality or identity 
or we may think that other commitments, work, family or friends, make it impossible for us to be healthy due to lack of time or opportunity. If we truly believed our lifestyles could make us healthy, and that we had the power to make healthy choices, then we would choose them. After all, who doesn't want to be healthy and happy? Who wouldn't choose to be healthy if they really believed that they had the power to make this choice? The lack of belief in our own ability to choose the life we want to live, to choose a healthy life, is the fundamental cause of all ill health. Not just because of the life we lead as a result, but also because of the impact of the thoughts themselves on our general well-being. Not truly understanding that you're in control of your own life and destiny in itself has a negative impact on health, well-being and happiness. I've also said several times before that the body and mind cannot be separated. They are absolutely and intricately related. One does not exist without the other. It makes little sense to talk about mental health or physical health in isolation of one another. That is why I always like to talk about well-being. Our bodies and minds must be in harmony if we are to be well. It is for these reasons that good health always starts with our thoughts. In order to be peaceful and content, in order to be motivated towards positive life choices, we must first think good thoughts. We must love ourselves and be motivated purely from this love. The problem with giving lifestyle advice is it tends to make people feel bad about themselves. If your GP tells you, or even if you tell yourself, to lose some weight, it tends to come with a value judgement. You're fat and you shouldn't be fat. The motivation to lose weight is therefore coming from shame or hatred of oneself for being fat, rather than from love. If somebody is motivated by shame or hate, they are unlikely to succeed. Every time they think about the diet, they will recall the shame. If they miss a run because they work late and it's raining, or they eat some birthday cake to be polite at the party, they'll beat themselves up even more. Dieting will be an emotionally painful and upsetting experience, and will inevitably be abandoned, only to be chalked up as further evidence of failure and lack of worth. Even worse, the fear of future failure, of facing the shame once more, may well stop us from even starting a diet in the first place. We may mask the shame by refusing to believe that we are capable of change, or denying that the weight is responsible for our ill health. The brain always wants to protect itself from negative emotion, and will construct all kinds of stories and realities to avoid feelings like shame and hate. Fear of failure seriously interferes with self-growth. It is one of the main reasons we are reluctant and unwilling to try. Often, it is not actually the failure itself that we fear, but rather the thoughts that we have about ourselves because we have failed. It is not that we didn't get the thing we were aiming for that distresses us, but what we make this mean about ourselves. That's why I can feel bad if I get unmatched on Tinder by someone who I really wasn't in that into or even had any intention of meeting. I don't feel bad because I think I've lost out on the opportunity of a meaningful relationship, because I never thought that I was going to have one in the first place. It's because of what I make it mean about me, that I'm a failure, or unattractive, or fundamentally unlovable. If you come from a place of love, if you tell yourself not that you should lose some weight, but rather that you would like to lose some weight, 
for example, so that you can play for longer with your grandkids, out of love for yourself and for your family, you are far more likely to succeed. The word should is nearly always unhelpful, and we should always try to avoid it. The thoughts we have about ourselves and the world are the key to how we feel and what we do. In order to be healthy, we need to think good thoughts about ourselves and about the world around us, so that we can be peaceful in our bodies and our minds and live well. Good health always starts with our thoughts. In order to manage our health, we must first manage our minds. Telling yourself or other people what to do, to stop smoking, go on a diet, lose weight and eat more greens, is never going to be helpful unless it is motivated from love. If we want to make positive change, we must first understand ourselves and love ourselves. We need to be clear in our minds where we are now, where we want to be, why we want it and how we are going to get there. Sadly, most of us do not truly love ourselves and what's more, we don't even realise it. You hear about self-love all the time in the media and personally, I really just didn't get it. I didn't really know what it meant. Not only do we not really love ourselves, but in truth, we are actually pretty mean to ourselves a lot of the time. In general, most of us tend to naturally think negative thoughts about ourselves far more often than we think positive ones. Our thoughts are like a running commentary in our brains that we carry around with us everywhere we go. This running commentary is pervasive, and for a lot of us, it pretty much runs incessantly throughout our waking hours. As we experience the world day to day, we continually produce thoughts about our experiences, about the way the world is, and about the way other people are, and the way we are. And these thoughts are not just thoughts. Mostly, they're also judgments. We tend to put a value judgment on the things that we experience. As we go about our day, we are constantly assessing if it is good or bad, what we like and dislike about it, and in particular, about ourselves. More than this, we also tend to predict other people's thoughts about us. We project our judgments onto them. Not only do we think, I was too loud at the party, we also believe that everyone else thought that we were too loud at the party. If you stop and really take the time to notice your commentary, you might notice just what a bitch it can be. So often, we go around telling ourselves mean shit about ourselves. We tell ourselves things about ourselves that we would never dream of saying to our friends. We always judge ourselves far more harshly than we would somebody else. We tell ourselves that we talk too fast during our podcast, or we are always late picking up our kids. We project these negative thoughts onto other people, believing and worrying that the neighbours think the garden is a mess, or that our parents aren't proud of us. Think about how much easier it is to give kind, loving advice to a friend, compared to giving the same advice to yourself. If a friend came to you because they were feeling insecure about a new partner, because they thought they were overweight, you wouldn't dream of saying, well yes you're fat, and your partner probably will leave you, and no one will ever find you attractive again, and you're probably just going to die alone. But to ourselves, we won't hesitate to jump to these kind of thoughts. Not only wouldn't you say this to your friend, but you also, you wouldn't believe it. 
You would know that your friend is a beautiful person with so much to offer the world. Why then do we struggle so much to believe this of ourselves? Now here's an interesting thing. If you go around saying horrible negative things about ourselves all the time, it doesn't tend to make us feel that great about ourselves or the world. It doesn't tend to motivate us to lead healthy, fulfilling lives. This should be obvious. If you constantly berated somebody, a child, a parent or a friend, if you constantly criticised and undermined them, constantly told them they shouldn't try because they would fail, constantly suggested that everyone thought the same and no one really liked them for who they were, that person would struggle to be happy. They would struggle to live a healthy, fulfilling life. But this is exactly what so many of us do to ourselves. Not only that, but we must carry around with us all the time, all our waking hours. This constant commentary, our stories about who we are and the way the world is, pervades all aspects of our lives. It determines how we feel and what we do. It is the root cause of whether we are happy or sad, if our actions are productive or destructive, if we are healthy or unhealthy. At the beginning of this episode, I said it was about time we saw some positive results, that unless you start to feel a bit better, these podcasts are not much good. If you're still listening, I'm sure you're thinking, well, thank you, Dr. Bostock, now I feel just great. But it's not all doom and gloom. Thinking about the cause of why we are feeling unwell can sometimes be distressing and painful. But it is also the first step to doing something about it, to start to feel a little bit better. I want to suggest a simple way that you can start to feel a bit better right away. Something you can do immediately after listening to this podcast to convince your brain that you are onto a good thing to convince you that the work we are just starting together is the first step to a fresh start. It's a bushwhack through the undergrowth, from the rocky road you've been on up until now, to the clearer path ahead. And this first step really is simple. There's no bells or whistles. As I've said before, there's no magic pill or quick fix. But fortunately, sometimes simple things can really help us. What I'd like to suggest is that you try some regular meditation. Now, some of you may have done some meditation and mindfulness in the past, and if so, that's fantastic. But I want you to start incorporating it into your everyday schedule. If you've never meditated before, or you think that meditation is not for you, that's even better, because you're about to discover something truly beautiful, something truly game-changing. Actually, I think pretty much everybody has done some kind of meditation previously, even without realising it. A lot of hobbies, such as gardening or knitting, are actually forms of meditation. For me, it was riding my mountain bike, but I just didn't realise. A few years ago, I definitely thought meditation was not for me, but now I meditate every day. When we meditate, effectively what we are doing is temporarily switching off our running commentary. We are giving ourselves a wakeful break from our stories about ourselves and about the world. When we experience what it feels like just to be in the world, without the influence of our incessant commentary and judgments, we realise that it is a calm and tranquil place. It is our thoughts about the world that make it hectic 
stressful, frightening or hostile. Learning how to simply switch off our thoughts is the first step towards making positive change in our lives. I think that's all I want to say about it for now. As we've said, seeing is believing. I want you to experience the feeling for yourself of being free from your thoughts. To experience the calm and tranquility of simply existing and experiencing the world as it is. Now, there is a very easy way to start meditating, and that is with a meditation app that you can download for your phone. There are several different apps available. The leading ones are probably Calm and Headspace. Personally, I prefer Headspace. It's free to download and you get 10 free sessions, but you can do those free sessions as many times as you like. I did the free ones over and over for about a year, fundamentally because I'm a cheapskate. But even those 10 free ones I found really, really helpful. If you want to subscribe to the app, it is quite expensive, but you do unlock a lot of material, really helpful stuff and some specific meditations about particular conditions. And in particular, there's a really good section all about sleep. And, you know, sleep is so often a problem that patients come to see me with. And I'll be doing a podcast all about sleep at a later date. Currently, I'm using Calm, mostly because they gave me a one-year free subscription. That was very kind of them. But honestly, I think I prefer Headspace more. Uh, But that's just a personal preference. Um, If you head over to my website at www.cambridgeprogressivemedicine.com, I've got a promo code on there for a one-month free trial for Calm. Um, I'll put that on my Facebook page too. So if you follow me on Facebook at Cambridge Progressive Medicine, you can access it from there as well. Uh, Maybe what you could do is do your 10 free sessions of Headspace until you had enough. And then after that, you could download your one-month free trial of Calm from my website. Patients sometimes tell me that they don't have time to meditate. All of these apps are based on 10-minute sessions, so it shouldn't be too difficult to find a spare 10 minutes in your schedule, and it really is worth the effort. It helps if you can find a regular time in your schedule to squeeze it in. For me, I do it in between my morning and my afternoon surgery, Uh, and if I miss a day because I'm too busy, I find I don't consult as well in the afternoon. There's an old Buddhist proverb that everyone should meditate for 20 minutes a day, unless you don't have time in which case you should meditate for an hour a day. So right now, this minute, I want you to go download Headspace and start your journey towards good health today. Try meditating every day for a week. And if you feel better, join me next week for episode eight, where we are going to build on what we have learned so far and introduce the concept of thought work. If you can feel so much better simply by turning off your commentary, imagine how good you can feel If, instead of thinking bad thoughts about yourself, you start thinking good ones. Mm